If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus this is an unspoiled network podcast this is spoil me covering full metal alchemist Brotherhood. Episode 4, An Alchemist's Anguish. In this episode, I think you all know very well what. I think y'all are a bunch of sick fucks who've been looking forward to me getting to this episode. Y'all need to go to church and get therapy and then go to church again. Welcome to Spoil Me. Welcome to the show, everyone. I am Natasha, except no welcome. To Max, who commissioned this episode. Max, I think uh, I made it perfectly clear on TikTok today that I am planning to file charges against you. So I hope that you're ready and you need to get your lawyers on speed dial, my friend, because it's about to get heated. I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about this. Y'all, if you are in the Discord, I shared like 15 fucking memes that I found about this episode because my coping mechanism is to laugh at things and I couldn't find a way to laugh at them by myself. I needed the internet and the internet delivered. So thank you, internet, for that. And uh, I just don't. So here's so here's the thing. I've seen the dog in the wig before, and that's what I'm going to call the chimera because that's what it deserves. I have seen this image a million places and it's always been used as shorthand for here's an image that will ruin your day. 
I never knew what it was. I always knew that the dog itself looked sad and terrible and not quite like a dog even really. But I, for some reason, there there has never been any context along with the image for me to even know it was from Full Metal Alchemist. Every time I have seen it, you know, the the iconic image, the whole background is black and there's just light shining on the animal alone. So every time I've seen it, there has been no indication of the illustrative style outside of the animal itself. And because of that, for some reason, I always assumed this was from a Studio Ghibli film, which full disclosure, I have never seen any of those except uh, Kiki's Delivery Service, which Owen said I should watch because he thought I would like it. Um, which I did. It was super fun. But I haven't seen any of the others. And uh, I just, for some reason, the style of this this animal's animation made me think of that. And so I just thought it was from one of those. So it's not even like I went into this show expecting this to come up at any point. I, once you first see it, I immediately was like, oh no, because I remembered this image being used as a weapon, basically, in comment sections. And I was like, oh God, this is really bad, right? So that was what I had to go on. So that's it. Thank you for coming and I will see you all next week now. Um, I am unsure where to start here. I'll just, I'll just start. I'll start at the start. How about that? So the episode opens up with the murder of an alchemist, uh, an alchemist who looks very much like the villain from the, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movies. Because he's got that like mustache that is electrically like it looks like a lightning bolt kind of thing. Um, and honestly, have you guys seen the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Because I will tell you what, kids, it is super fun and I recommend it. <laughs> I really enjoyed that movie and Jim Carrey goes for it in a way that you absolutely must if you're playing a character like that and he kills it and it's just the best and if you have seen it and you have not listened to the overdue boys read the novelization of the sonic the hedgehog movie may i recommend that to you because the description of that crazy doctor dancing in his lab is really something so uh, check that out. That's my plug for overdue for today. Okay. So this guy, he is uh, clearly being targeted. Now, I don't know if we have the information in this scene to know why he's going after this dude in particular. Um, we get what he says, which is essentially like, oh, you've, you know, lost your way, essentially. You are Basque Grand, the Iron Blood Alchemist. Is that correct? Foolish alchemists who have turned their backs on the ways of God shall all be punished. And this dude is like, oh, oh, okay. So you're the nut job 
who has been going after state alchemists sucks for you. I am about to rip you apart, bitch. And it kind of looks like maybe he is about to do that because he produces about 60 cannons out of nothing. This guy dodges it. No problem. So then it's a bunch of chains. And then he touches the ground and makes... He does basically a... uh, Toph? Toph? Oh my god, guys, I can't believe I don't remember her name. But you know, when, uh, in, in ye old airbender, when she learns how to metal bend. Um, and it pops up this, like, series of walls around this guy. And dude is super confident he's got this. And that guy reaches right on through the wall grabs electric man by the face and kills him in the face which honestly is pretty impressive i have to talk about this mysterious murderer man because he looks weird um (laughs) he has these oval glasses that are very stylized and have that thing going on that the other dude has later where they reflect light really intensely sometimes. So they're practically glowing. He's got like an undercut. There's a circular like loop in his jacket that I really thought was a necklace. And I don't know if you guys are aware, but it was very stylish, like in the nineties for gay men to wear cock rings around their necks as like jewelry to clubs. And I really thought for a moment that was what was going on here. It is not. It looks like it's part of the collar of his jacket, the way that it is assembled. So my bad. Um, And yeah, he just kills this guy with an electro shock to the face. It's unclear how he gets through the wall of this thing, because it's like he punches through. It's not like he used any sort of... um, uh, power to like transform the metal into an opening it's like his sheer strength breaks right through it so i don't know exactly how that happened as our friends and i say friends in quotes from the uh military get to the body we have the fuhrer show up and he has essentially had it And he tells Hughes, you better figure out who this motherfucker is. I will give you all the men you need, but he needs to be put down because I can't have this anymore. And then we cut to uh, a built like a, a room where it's basically like what I would imagine the bullpen is like at a police station, except it's like so quiet and organized and. And it doesn't like it's it's like a library bullpen, really. Um, And everybody's doing paperwork and trying to get some things figured out. And uh, this dude here is saying um, his name is Lieutenant Breda. The colonel's sure letting his work pile up again, huh? Um, Guys, can I tell you something? So the colonel is Colonel Hughes, right? Who's the hot dad, 
Am I right on this? We've got Colonel Hughes, hot dad. Colonel Hughes, oh, that's must, Mustang. I can't. It's not Mustang, right? Is that a typo? It's Mustang. Okay. I thought, I thought for a second. I'm not trying to mock you. I was just like, if they said Mustang, I will kill somebody. Okay. So Mustang is the hot dad. Hughes is the one who got our guy into the military, right? Wait. Everybody's okay. I'm sorry, guys. Those who are listening are missing all of the chat. Um, Mustang is the guy who got him into the military. Okay, see, that's what I thought. Y'all are telling me that's okay. I'm not listening to you guys anymore. I was asking who Hot Dad was, right? So Hot Dad is Hughes. Mustang is the guy who's letting his work pile up. That's what they're saying, right? So guy who's letting his work pile up, I would think that is like based on his personality, that doesn't feel like something that he would normally do. And it sounds like this is something that he does all the time. So I am having to sort of like reevaluate what I think his personality is like, because either he's getting more work put on him than he can handle. And why is that? Or he's slacking, which it just, that wasn't the vibe I got off him. He didn't seem like a slacker or something's going on to keep him from getting to his work or something. What I'm saying is I'm suspicious of him. I have nothing to base this on other than that one line, which is he's letting his shit pile up. Oh, is he now? That's very interesting. I would like to know more about that. So we'll come back to that in a little bit. So then we go to them looking at this guy, Lieutenant Yoki, the crook who was using the Usewell coal mine concessions to line his own pockets. The Elric brothers exposed what a dirty thief he was, and now he's on the run. I, for one, am extremely interested in seeing them catch up with this guy. I have no dog in this fight at all. I just want to know. So then we've got a guy who's trying to fix a radio and he's like, oh, I think we're going to have to replace it. And then here comes uh, Ed and he just touches it and completely repairs it. And I'm like, all right, well, it really feels like if Ed can do that, then really he should be assigned like a two hour stint in the mechanics department every week to just go through their shit and fix all of it. Like that just when you know somebody can do something like that, that that easily, that quickly just do it. Just have that be part of their job. It, it shouldn't be an accidental. He, he happened to walk into the room as this kid was complaining about this thing. Y'all are wasting equipment and resources and time trying to fix and figure out something that he can literally do in seconds. Somebody needs to like get their shit organized on this and redistribute the labor amongst those according to their abilities. I'm just saying communism. Okay. So we've got a, uh, a moment here of them uh, saying the Colonel is expecting you and Edward getting this fucking expression because he doesn't want to go and talk to the guy. Honestly, Edward is like a, a 
about it in terms of this job overall, but he is not about it in terms of ever being told what to do in any way at all until the end of time. And I don't really think that's going to work for you, Edward. So you're going to have to figure that out, bucko. Um, so they're going and talking to Mustang. And he's like, hey, thanks for dealing with that uh, bullshit priest. And Edward says, it's no big deal. We didn't do it for you. Edward stop it okay just stop just knock it off just so then he says something about oh the philosopher's stone another false lead huh and he stares down edward in this way where edward clearly thought he was sort of hiding what he was after from this man and finally caves and is like yeah it turns out that it was a fake and i should mention in the beginning or at the end of the last episode, when the priest's stone disintegrates, I asserted, Ed calls it a fake, but we don't know it's fake because we don't know anything about this thing. And Edward doesn't know anything about it. But at the start of this episode, the announcer says the stone is revealed to be a fake. So I'm going to take that as acknowledgement that it was indeed a fake and we will operate off of that. Just wanted to touch base on that. So he then talks about the thing that I was curious about, which is the power that it gave him was real, though. He was able to do shit that he shouldn't have been able to do. And that was my whole question as well. How is that happening? I think it's pretty clear now that we know that there's a lust and gluttony on the table. There are some other deadly sins that are probably contributing their abilities somehow. I don't know how that would even work, but there it is. Um, and he mentions that he was able to make a chimera and he says in front of our eyes. And I was like, that's not actually true. He like opens a door and there's a chimera there. But I didn't think that the chimera was like formed in that moment, unless I'm misunderstanding how that went down. But that's the way he phrases it. And then he says, I've never learned enough about the alchemy that has biology involved. So I don't really understand how that works. It might be looking in worth looking into. Um, so Mustang says it might help if you consulted a specialist. And he says the sewing life alchemist, Shu Tucker has done a lot of research into making chimeras. And at this point, Edward has this like well then what is it that you're after why are you trying to do this and mustang is just like um i am just trying to repay you for your good work be doing you a favor is better than being indebted to you uh huh no that's not it i don't believe you i don't believe you i just don't believe you so there's that i think as much as i want to laugh at edward for being paranoid i think he's right to be paranoid in general about this guy so that's fine. So on the drive, they're talking about how this guy managed to make a chimera that talked. It only said one thing. I want to die. 
After that, it refused to eat until it got its wish. Now, guys, I don't know about you, but when I hear that story, this man is immediately a villain. Immediately. Right? Okay? They're out here like, oh, we're just going to go and visit this guy. And, you know, he's like definitely inflicted horrific suffering onto animals, uh, whatever. And they just act like, well, what can you do? Like, as no, uh, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And because this is not something that either of them, Ed or Mustang knows anything about. I hate calling him Mustang, guys. (sighs) I don't want to do it anymore. The Colonel. Because they don't know anything about it, there's no reason for me to, like, if they were to offer some sort of mitigation to the, the, the... experiments this guy is doing there's no reason for me to believe them if the biological aspects of alchemy are completely outside of your purview you do not know if these things are suffering horrifically and i mean this was my whole thing with the chimera in the last episode immediately going oh this poor thing i'm sure it doesn't want to be here you know it's like why it doesn't it didn't agree to any of this I don't like it. And I went into this already not liking a guy who's involved with chimera experimentation. And then they add this story and I'm like, oh my God, what are we do? Why are we doing this? What are we doing? So they come to the front door and uh, the place just is bleak. Ed says something about how the house is huge and yet it feels so empty. And there's this little girl that answers the door named Nina and her dad and a dog, big, giant, adorable dog. And they come inside and the house is a disaster and the sink is full of dirty dishes and there's shit everywhere. And the guy is like, I'm sorry the house is such a bad, in such a bad state. My wife took off and I'm not much of a housekeeper, which guys, I will say this once and then let it go. As soon as a guy starts talking about how he's not good at keeping up with the house because he doesn't have a wife around also loses points. I'm just saying. So he's in the negatives like hard by now. I don't like him. Everything about him, my alarm bells are going off. So this is when he says, as the colonel told you, I'm the sewing life alchemist, which what a name. No, you're not. No, you're not. Stop. You are the full of shit alchemist. I hate you. So. This is when 
he basically tells Ed, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. It's part of the, uh, you know, the exchange, the equivalent exchange rule. That's the code we live by, sir. And again, his eyes are obscured a bunch in this. When the light is shining off his glasses, the lenses grow in this glow in this certain way that's very sinister. And it's just, it keeps being clearly, this guy is bad news. Um, so we see Ed with his shirt, like, most of his jacket off. He's got his shirt on, but he's clearly like showing this guy what happened to him and isn't happy to be sharing this. He didn't want to be put in the position where he had to tell this fucking story. And then we go to the guy's like labs and cages and there's like a three headed bear. Uh, it's like a bear with fingers. It's like there's, there's, fingers of some animal sewn to its paws. There's a bunch of creatures floating in jars like he's Professor Snape. All of these animals in small, very cramped, tight cages. And then he shows them his giant library and is like, feel free to look around. And they basically go to town in this library and are left by themselves to their own devices. And as they continue on through the day, uh, Al gets distracted by Nina, who is just here to play, wanting to hang out. And it's really cute. Ed is in the middle of yelling at the two of them when the dog like jumps on him and just squashes him flat. And it's honestly... I just really enjoy this. And he turns and says, playtime is over to the dog. And the dog does that like chibi thing where it, and it's like in this way, that's very mocking as he like backs away. Honestly, I loved that so much. So <sighs> okay. So, um, this person shows up to uh pick up the boys and they say they'll return tomorrow and the guy who has come to pick them up turns to tucker and is like bt dubs the colonel wanted you to be to be reminded that the assessment is coming up and he says please assure him i know with this gravity and his daughter, when he closes the doors, is like, hey, what's that about? And he says, well, they have to come and check up on my research and decide whether or not I get my certification to be a state alchemist again. And last year, I didn't get a very good evaluation. So unless I do something really impressive, I'm not going to get it. And she tells him she knows that he will do it and that he always works so hard. And he says, you're right. I have to try hard. And then in his mind, he's thinking, or we'll be left with nothing again. And I'm like, you'll be left with nothing again. Like, are, 
you have this like huge house and other than it being a mess, it seems like things are going all right. So why are, what do you mean? And then we have the start, we have the full metal alchemist and the daughter and her dog and a picture and then the dad. And Al is asking her, so your mom left two years ago. And she says, daddy says she went back to live at her parents' house. And this was an interesting moment where I think, and somebody asked the question here. Uh, Candace says, what was the clue that tipped you off that Tucker had transmuted his wife? Like, when did you know this guy was built different? I started noting this guy was built different immediately after that fucking story. However, as for his wife, it never even entered my head until Ed says it. I'm looking at his daughter knowing who that is. And I know that. And I still have not even considered that he had already done this once. I don't know what's the matter with me. I think I was just in such shock. Like, and, and also so distracted by the fact that the, the actual illustration was familiar to me and that it was from a different property entirely than I thought. So I just totally didn't put this together at all. So even them talking about like where her mom went and everything, I'm not sensing danger on this. I'm thinking, oh, good. Her mom left because she knew the guy was a fucking creep. It's too bad she left her daughter with him, but one does what one can. Probably assumed that he would never do anything to her. So. (sighs) We have this uh, moment with the boys hanging out with her, talking about whether she's lonely. She just says that her dad does a lot of work and it's only lonely because he's so distracted so much. And then the boys leave and we see the father and he's like sitting at his desk with his hands over his face in this very clear desperation. And uh, then we cut back to the military and they're talking about the guy who has been going after alchemists and why he's doing it. And the oddity of him going after people who are certified specifically. And Armstrong is here suggesting that maybe the guy is like, jealous of the like privileges and the money that state alchemists are making. Um, And Armstrong says something really revealing here. He says, there must be any number of people who envy them their positions, or perhaps they feel they have not upheld their creed. Alchemist, be thou, uh, be thou for the people. Alchemists who are supposed to be pillars of science and truth are turning into the military's walking weapons as soon as they receive certification. There are plenty of people, I'm sure, who have not forgotten the role that state alchemists played in the Ishvalan Civil War. Uh, Okay, Armstrong, what's up, buddy? Because he clearly has some baggage and looks like ashamed of himself and seems to, if not fully condone what this guy's doing at least sort of sympathize with the mindset that might be behind it so that's interesting what's up armstrong what'd you do what were you asked to do what have you done what's in your history poor armstrong he's got such a sweet cinnamon roll kind of like energy to him um 
So yesterday, a man with a large scar on his face was cited by the Central City train employees by multiple station employees. Um, and they figured that means that it's the uh, dude and he got away. So then we go back to the house. We've got Nina playing with her dog in the background. We've got Tucker talking to the boys. And he is saying, oh, I forgot. This is what he's talking about, where he says, like, we'll have nothing again. Um, Before I earned my state certification, our life was terrible. We were so poor in those days. My wife couldn't stand living that kind of life. So she left us. And this, like, again, probably it should have been the signal. Didn't figure it out. So his daughter turns to him and says, don't worry, daddy. It's okay. If those people do tell you no, me and Alexander will growl at them until they say yes. Which uh, the meaning of that just is very different now. It hits So her dad smiles and says, hey, Nina, I've got an idea. Do you want to play with daddy tomorrow? And I immediately knew what the fuck was about to happen. I was like, I didn't want to believe he would do this to his daughter because I'm like, if you're going to sacrifice your literal child, what else is there? Like you lose your house, you lose your money, but you still have your kid. One would hope your priorities are in such a place But no, but no, but no, but no, but no. So yeah, I knew right here. So she jumps on him and hugs him. Alexander, daddy says he's going to play with us tomorrow. And these two brothers, Al and Ed, smile because they are stupid and do not know what is about to happen. We all know what is about to happen. You guys all knew, right? Like we knew. Come on. So they come by the next day and he isn't at the door. The dog doesn't come running. Nina doesn't come running. And he is in some room and he says, I did it. I finally did it. A chimera that understands human speech. I love he says this and it cuts to outside of the house and there's a thunderclap. And like a flash of light. It's all very dramatic. And he says, that person is Edward. That person, Edward. And I'm like, all right, look, I cannot deal with this creature existing for any longer than another minute before they figure out what is going on. I can't, I can't handle it. Ryan asks if he was really that desperate, why wouldn't he just kidnap someone off the street for his experiments? I don't think this guy has a whole lot of um, thought for the long-term effects of his actions. I just think he's uh, a little short-sighted about consequences in general is what I'm thinking. So 
there's this Edward repeated a couple times. And then eventually big brother Ed and fucking Ed's eyes, his like pupils contract and he knows what he's like. And I was so relieved. I was like, I can't handle it if they leave this place and don't realize what's going on. And the fact that he figured it out, like almost immediately, I was so thankful. And this is when Ed is like, okay, when, 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 when was the last uh, time that your, your chimera spoke? And, and, and when, when, just remind me real quick, when did your wife leave you? Just and this dude is like damn you for figuring it out so quickly it wasn't hard look i didn't know about your wife i will admit that but your daughter and her dog disappear and now you have a talking chimera that is a dog-like creature with long brown hair i just don't know how with it you are sir he's just not with it and i oh, guys i just can't overstate my relief that ed knew what was going on and ed is basically like i cannot fucking believe this you yourself said there's only so much you can do with animals i just wow and this guy says, well, you don't really have the right to be acting so outraged. This is how we progress. Human experimentation is a necessary step. I would think a scientist would understand. And when Ed says something about like, well, you're messing around with someone's life. Homeboy is like, oh, Messing around with someone's life. Yeah, you wouldn't know anything about that, would you? Guy who's followed around by an animated suit of armor containing his brother's soul. Wow, how dare I? Really, it is beyond the pale that I would interfere with life and death. You're right. And I'm like, all right, look. I mean, he's not entirely wrong. <laughs> however, however, Ed was 11 and fucking around because his mother died and he was desperate and alone. He had his brother, but you know, there was no adult in his life. And he was a child. And you are a grown-ass man who is inflicting this upon his own loved ones knowing full well that they are going to be I mean your wife committed suicide in as much as she was able to you know what you're doing to your daughter so no these are not the same thing because you had done this once already and chose to do it again to your child. Ed 
had never done this, was desperate, and tried something forbidden. It's not the it's not the same. Like, look, I get what you're saying, and in some ways, if many circumstantial details were different, you would have a pretty solid case. But not really, actually. It's just like, well, if you think about it, socialism and fascism are basically the same thing. Like, I can't even talk to you. Nah, no. Ugh. So, this dude uh, keeps going and saying that him and Ed are the same. He says, you're just like me. And he starts to get this real manic sort of energy um, and is like smiling and proud of himself. And I genuinely want to ask him, like, what are you proud of, though? Because all you've got is a dog that can talk. And it's a dog that can talk because you did something like it's not like you managed to create something brand new in a way that's, oh, he got, he made a chimera that can talk because he unlocked a secret. You did a monstrous thing. And the sum of what you got is not equal to its parts. So this is not even anything to be proud of at all. Like there's nothing about this that's actually impressive. The only thing remarkable is that you decided to do something this horrific and that's nothing because I, I hate to tell you this guy, but lots of people are willing to do horrific shit. It's not exciting or new. So there's nothing to be proud of here. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's my point. So at this point, Ed just begins to beat the ever loving shit out of this guy until Al makes him stop and is like, you will kill him if you keep going. And you can see that Ed is very much like, I know that's what I wanted to do. But then he stops and looks at the chimera, which says, Edward, no, daddy, do you hurt? And Ed just drops her dad to the floor and they leave her there. I guess that they are about to go and like notify somebody. But there was a real like vibe to this. Like, we're just going to leave the house. And Al telling her how sorry he is. Oh, my God, you guys. I felt so bad for poor Al. Like, because her him having to say to her, there's no way to undo this. Like, this has to be the kind of thing that would be very triggering to somebody in Al's situation. You don't know if Al is going to be, if this is reversible either, you know? So in some ways, what he's telling her is like his own worst nightmare. So he's going to be feeling this exceptionally. And this dude has the fucking nerve to say that, well, I passed. So I'll definitely be a state alchemist again, to which Ed is like, oh my God, do you really still think that's happening? I, that's absolutely not fucking, no. And he breaks the watch the guy has. And she's in the corner still saying, can we play now? And Ed just screams. And then we go to the headquarters. 
And there is this moment again. Everybody's out here trying to act like she's the same. (sighs) The colonel says the devil. A state alchemist must be willing to act, able to take another's life when ordered to, without questioning. In some ways, Mr. Tucker's actions and our own may not be all that far apart when it comes to interfering with other people's lives. We choose our own path, knowing full well what we're doing. That's the way it is. Right, Full Metal? No. So in the next scene, we have Tucker talking to his daughter. And he is saying that nobody is able to understand him. I wonder why no one's capable. And he says his daughter's name. And then there's a peal of thunder. And our dude walks in. And he says, you're Shao Tucker, correct? And I thought it was really interesting that apparently Tucker is being kept in isolation with his daughter. Which is a kind of a weird choice. However, I won't begrudge it because of how the scene winds up going. Tucker gets up and is like, there were military police out front. How did you get here? And we cut to them laying in pools of blood in the rain. And this is when the guy says his line, foolish alchemists who turn their ways, or turn their backs on the ways of God must, uh, shall be punished. And he electrocutes Shao in the face. And Nina comes over to her dad and is like, daddy's hurting. And there are tears in her eyes. And I'm like, I can't believe that you still have it in you to cry for your dad after this. You're an angel. And this dude says, you poor creature. What he's done can't be undone, basically. At least your passing will be in peace. And I have to tell y'all how absolutely relieved I was that he kills that fucking chimera. Absolutely could not be allowed. I'm sorry. I know that there's a little girl in there somewhere, but there also isn't. And that needed to be stopped and just ended. I 100% could not deal with her still being alive when this episode ended. I could not have handled it. I wouldn't have known what to do. And I'm being like dead ass serious. If she was still around and this was like a recurring thing returning to this issue. And I mean, the issue itself, which is alchemist going too far. I have full confidence. We will return to that. But Her specifically. Nope. Couldn't do it. Just could not do it. So as much as we are supposed to be like, hey, let's get the serial killer 
and he's a very bad man. Honestly, mostly, I am like, he seems to be doing the Lord's work, and I don't mean that the way he means it, but also maybe I do kind of mean it that way. I just don't really blame him for the resentment and anger and rage that he seems to be carrying. There seems like a lot of good reasoning behind that. So he walks up out of there into the rain extremely dramatically. Um, and he says, God, hear me. Two human souls have just been returned to you. Please accept them into your loving arms. Grant these poor lost souls everlasting peace and salvation. <sighs> Honestly, guys, I can't be mad at him. I I want to be mad at him because killing is wrong asterisk but this all very much seems to fall under the asterisk for me it's fine i mean you know like go ahead go ahead go ahead i'm not even like gonna um, I, you know so other questions Candace asked, how do you feel now knowing the kinds of things that state alchemists do in private about the books Edward and Al's dad had in his study regarding human transmutation? I mean, I still have like the same questions, Candace, that I had before, which is just generally what were the books that he had? How much of that? Because we don't we don't know this about Tucker either, right? Did he just do this because he figured that he could? Were there books doing this already that he was reading? Or was he just trying wild shit out? And that's what I want to know about Edward and Al's dad as well. Did he just have like notes that he had taken because he was doing crazy horrifying experiments? Or had he gotten books of other people doing crazy, horrifying experiments and was reading about? Like, my questions remain the same. It's just how many people have tried this? What's the documentation like on that? What has happened in the past? You know? Um, yeah, I just, it, it doesn't really change my feelings. My feelings are the same. It just what it what it really has done this episode is let me know what the show is willing to do and that's important because it's one thing to do a human transmutation because kids are desperate to see their mother again it goes wildly wrong and there's a creepy monster it's all traumatizing and awful but in forgive me kind of a safe way a way that is the, the, the beginning of a hero's journey for lots of stories where a kid is driven to something that's sort of unthinkable because of circumstances and because of a lack of understanding. And there are consequences that they then have to live with forever that drive them. I mean, this is like the Dresden Files also is very much this way in a lot of ways, but you don't really find out how much until later. Um, and so that all felt to me like, okay, I kind of, I get what we're doing here. This episode has changed the game. We are dealing with animals 
and children, which are two mostly off-the-table victims unless you do that shit off-camera and you imply it or you talk about it but you don't show it. It's all sort of sacrosanct unless you're fucking Stephen King. And this being not only like the feature of the episode, but the creature created from it is around for a little bit. They have gone like down a road that I don't think a lot of media would even be willing to touch. And that for me is like, all right, well, I'm clearly in territory. I, I didn't think I was in. So that's what's changed for me. Um, Candace says, you mentioned in the last episode that the story didn't feel religious. What do you think of the new guy with the face scar and his musings on God? Yeah. So it's interesting because even with the last episode, I figured that was it. We had this priest he was doing and like a priest is a great place to start with a power that seems like it's beyond what any other person has, right? If you had a power, even if you were cheating to get it, especially actually, if you were cheating to get it, posing as a priest would be a great, and I'm saying posing, I'm not actually sure that that's what was happening. This guy might actually have been a priest and that's why he was approached with this power. Because I'm assuming he was like vetted and they came to him. I might be wrong about that. Um, but that all felt like a self-contained episode. And that story and that theme is wrapped up in that episode. But now that this guy has appeared and he has clearly got an idea about what alchemy should be used for. And how it should be used. I'm really, really interested because I feel like there's no suggestion from the way this guy is behaving that there's an organization behind him. He seems like a lone wolf who's out here just doing this because he believes in it. That said, it would not be surprising if there, it turned out there were a lot of folks who felt the same way that he does. And maybe, I mean, I see him as a little bit of a Punisher. If you guys are not familiar with the Punisher, you may be surprised to know because of how many cops have Punisher logos on their shit, that the Punisher doesn't like cops. And the Punisher is pretty much anti-cop, anti-military because he has been lied to and screwed over by the system. So he goes out and wreaks havoc because he was wronged and he is sick of this bullshit. And while a lot of people are kind of frightened of his tactics, which are extremely violent, most people are kind of like, good, he should do this. There's a real energy of approval from a lot of people, which is why the Punisher's logo gets used by cops because they don't get it, but it's fine. It's not fine. Um, so that is kind of how I see this guy is like, he's a vigilante, but I would guess people would not be upset either. I mean, 
I what I really want to know is how much does information about what's going on in, in these situations get out to the common man? We know that we're in an era where there are radios, there's no TV, but there are like newspapers, right? Do people know what Tucker was doing? Is this information kept classified because it looks bad for the state? Because I would imagine that's what one would do. But if I were this guy, this this vigilante, and, and this probably says a lot about me, I would be sure to put this information out there in some way to get people to understand what I'm doing. That is because I, as a person, have a preoccupation with being understood. And one of the biggest things that I need to learn is how to accept not everyone is going to understand me or my point of view. I find myself unable to do that. Maybe one day I will be all right with it. As of right now, I'm like getting there a little bit by not reading reviews. That's my, my, the best I can do on that front. But mostly I want people to, to understand. And I can't tell because I don't know this guy well. I can't tell if he gives a shit about that. It seems like this is just between him and God. And if that's the case, he's not sharing this information because that doesn't matter. People don't need to know. He doesn't care about public approval. You know, so in that respect, I I am a little saddened to think that's the way he's approaching it because I think that if he were to circulate more information, he might be able to get some help. And I don't mean psychological help. I mean help killing evil alchemists. Now, I say evil, but I will admit I don't know what a mustache man at the start of this does. I don't know what he, like, how it seems like the guy is targeting state alchemists, but they don't say if there's a particular, like, morality behind those alchemists, or if it's just the fact that they were state alchemists. Like, is he going to come after Ed? Because one would think what Ed did, I, again, is that common knowledge? The fact that he fucked around with, with human transmutation, because if he, if that's common knowledge, this guy will definitely be coming after Ed. And I don't know, you know, like, well, Armstrong, Armstrong, I don't know what he has in his past. It seems like this guy's assumption is basically if you are a state alchemist, you can't not have some awful blood on your hands. But I don't actually know what was going on with the other guys that he killed. Um, yeah, so I, it's just a weird, like, I want this guy to make this into a campaign of exposure. Because that's the fucking energy that I have been carrying in general. What's so annoying, though, is that I'm carrying that energy knowing exposure isn't our problem. We know what's going on. That's it. It's not getting the information out there. It's that everyone feels utterly helpless. And that's because mostly we are. Maybe this guy knows that. 
And it's like, if people knew, it wouldn't change a goddamn thing about how any of this functions. But it's it depends on the universe. Because in some universes, putting the information out there and the public suddenly knowing about it, that's the end of the thing. Right. You you have the story end with the fact that everybody has found out about it. The jig is up and now we can't do it anymore because people know. But based on how real this show is deciding to get, I'm going to venture a guess that it wouldn't happen that way. In the real world, a lot of the worst things aren't secret. It's just that there are too many of the worst things for us to keep straight and fight about. There's too much. We've been overwhelmed by it. So I don't know in this like, you know, this world that doesn't have internet, but does have the radio. Maybe this one cause would take hold in a way that we have not seen anything do really. I don't know. A lot of questions here, guys. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just going to look in the chat real quick. Um, Candace says Tucker gets to make one point and only one. Edward needs the reminders because he still thinks he can cheat the system and get his shit back. So I wasn't mad. He said that that's true. And that is what's been sort of like weighing on me with Ed is that everything that he's doing is in an effort to undo the damage that he has done. And it's wild that he thinks he can undo without paying a different kind of price because it's obviously that's how it works. So if he were going to give up his body so that his brother could get his own body back, maybe, but Ed doesn't even have his own entire body to, to barter with. So, I just don't think that I think that's the whole point with the fucking like the philosopher's stone is that he is just trying to cheat again. Honestly, Ed just keeps reminding me of Harry Dresden because this is another thing that Dresden does is he tries to cheat. And honestly, sometimes he does manage to get away with it, but it's like barely. And it does wind up catching up with him because the series is so long shit circles back around and it may take a while, but it will get him. Um, I feel like there's <laughs> some real parallels there actually, but, uh, I just want Ed to take the lesson that he fucked around with shit. He didn't understand. And the damage is in front of him and back off. And instead he's acting as if somebody like took advantage of him specifically and he can like get his own back. And I'm like, did you see the being that you were dealing with? Dude, he took your leg with no, you had no power in that scenario. What makes you think that you have any leverage in any scenario that would matter? It's just weird. I mean, all I can put this down to is that Ed has been given a ton of knowledge about alchemy and the world that others don't have by virtue of this weird visit to this like parallel world. So 
maybe he's functioning this way because he has knowledge that we as viewers don't have. But it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like he's just, oh, I, it almost worked. I just got the recipe a little wrong. And otherwise, he's not taking any lesson from this at all. And I'm a little, I want Al to be the one to be like, you know what, buddy, this isn't going to work. I I feel like Ed is never going to face the facts. Al might be somebody who eventually realizes it's, it's, it's done, man, you know? But Al is younger. Al is, uh, he clearly like idolizes his brother to a point. I don't know if he would reach that conclusion. And if he did, I don't know that he would say anything to Ed because he doesn't want to hurt Ed because Al is in that weird position that people get in where the person who harmed you feels such remorse that you don't want to bring up that they harmed you because watching them in pain from their remorse makes you feel guilty, even though it's not your problem. And I think a lot of us have probably been there where we have like kept our pain to ourselves because anytime we like, you know, it got brought up that it became about somebody else. Um, Michael says as if Al's body were a Frisbee that landed on his neighbor's roof. Right. Tony says, but the devil were not, nor are we God. We're just human beings and capable of even saving a little girl. We're nothing but insignificant human beings. Right. And like, does he really think that? Cause he says that in this moment. And I just, uh, he says these things that make me think he's getting it and it goes away. Honestly, that's youth though. You have flashes of insight and then that shit just gets wiped out because you have youth and nothing touches you. Um, Ryan says, do you think Al doesn't want the Philosopher's Stone the same way Ed does? I think Al is unsure about it working because he doesn't have the knowledge Ed got. So he just has to sort of trust that Ed knows what the fuck he's talking about. And Ed sure didn't know what the fuck he was talking about last time. So I wouldn't blame Al for not being hugely like faithful about this but also i mean i think the vibe is genuinely what else do we have to lose but like a lot still you have a lot to lose still so i wouldn't be cavalier about it guys um <laughs> michael kioski says shu tucker is the number one most hated character on animeplanet.com yeah well he committed three sins. One, he fucked with an animal. Two, he fucked with a child. And three, he did those things for no good reason. Like, if a guy fucks with a kid and an animal, but you can, in a twisted way, see why he did it, then you can at least be like, well, the guy was fucked up, but... But with Tucker, there's just no, like, he, he just wanted to keep his house and money. Truly, go die, sir. I'm glad he did. I'm glad he went and died. So, yeah. You know, it'd be one thing to, like, if he sacrificed his wife to keep his child, you know, which you could pretend was what happened the first time. Because... Now he's living with his daughter and you could tell yourself it's not good. It's not better. 
but you could like pretend he just wanted to keep his daughter safe and secure and happy and well fed. You could lie to yourself and say that. But once he's willing to do this to his daughter, it's very clear it was never about that at all. And the man's not well. Like. <clears throat> all right, I got to wrap. I am over time. Thank you again to Max, except no thank you. And I hate you. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Spoiled Network Podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.